Hello, my friends. Today we're talking to John, the founder of Base2 Data Analytics. And we discuss how having a great culture at your company can influence partnerships with other organizations. How Base2 is working with help systems to provide an unprecedented level of control over your data and the evolution of how businesses have used data since the early 2000s. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Well, um, I actually grew up in... Uh, so. Uh, in regional South Australia, so I'm a country boy. Tech wasn't really a thing where I grew up. It was more <laughs> of uh, tractors, cars, um, and finding ways to uh, amuse yourself out in the bush. And uh, my brother was always very much interested in electronics. But I have two older brothers, and so they were both interested in tech. And um, you know, I was the youngest of three, so um, I always got to see the cool things. You know, my brother started turning rockets when he was in his teens, building all the electronics. So and it was always really fun to hang out and, and do those types of things and get up to all the stuff you could get up to in the country. And yeah, I uh, built my first computer when I was 16, you know, back in the days before everything was colored and uh, you could, uh, you know, you could actually stuff something up and go, oh, well, I've got to go get another part now. But um, the city was about three hours away. So that was uh, go, f- go for a trip if you want to, or ring up a, a relative that lives in the city and say, hey, can you pick this up for me? And I'll see you in three months and, and get the part. And yeah, so I uh, I finished my school and I took a year off to um, to work some jobs and uh, figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I was actually originally, uh, my original degree that I was very interested in, I had, I had a real love for biology and, and technology. So I was really interested in bioinformatics. Um, and I really liked the idea of um, robotics and wearable tech. So um, I really loved the idea of like, you know, the positive side of the Terminators and like artificial, um, you know, and enhancements for people and, and that type of medicine. All of that changed on my uh, on my gap year. So um, I ended up swapping into computer science and electronics and instrumentation, um, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, I was the, one of the first people to actually take the extended major and see it through in seven years. Um, I was a bit daunted when I got told that by my uh, coordinator and he said, yeah, no, one's, no one does this course anymore. And I'm like, why? And they're like, yeah, this, we don't actually have enough subjects to fill it. So um, we're going to send you off to this place and this place is where to do it. This is how we do this one. I'm like, okay, great. Um, and I met some really cool people. I think I've always been really fortunate. I've always bumped into through my life some really, you know, um, impressionistic people that I've really enjoyed hanging out with. And so I finished my university, I finished my bachelor, um, I stayed on for my honours um, and then after I did my honours, I was thinking about doing my PhD um, and I thought to myself, well, I could I could do go into the academic side and we got introduced into this really cool project, um, it was called The Thinking Head. So there was an artist who, um, he it wasn't about AI, it was about a, um artistic rendition of like the human condition. Um, and this guy was pretty far out there. The, the type of artistic stunts he used to do were, were like he'd actually hurt himself in some of the stuff that he would do. So it was, he, was, he was really, really far out there. What are some of the crazy ones? Maybe a PG, but... <laughs> uh, well, 
the craziest one that at the time when I got introduced to the guy, he had hung himself in a display off of meat hooks off of his body. I felt for like, I was just, when they told me about him, I'm like, so what, what's his interest in AI? And they're like, oh, it's not AI. It's, um, it's, uh, he wants to do it as like an artistic thing. So they, you were using AI? Yeah. So that's exactly right. So we were actually, um, we were collaborating with universities um, in Europe and, and the States and in Australia. And uh, we were effectively a whole heap of grad students, uh, honors students were writing um, a whole heap of code. And effectively, you know, it was a very early rendition of it. I still remember the tech around it at the time. It was like they had to get a screen from um, Sony that actually had like 12 displays laid in it to give that original 3D look. And the 3D printer we had was like, all right, you want to print a block? Come back. Um, three days later and it'll be printed <laughs> and so we would uh we'd make up all this cool stuff and effectively the display was you'd talk to the head and it was pre-programmed with a lot of responses or you know there's a bit of psychology behind it around how you would do that and uh you'd give it some questions you'd give it some responses i mean it was really early learning type of stuff but it was really interesting in types of the applications for you know teacher assisting for early childhood learning and stuff like that so it's really cool so i got to work on a bit of that and then i thought i started to look at what i want to do for my phd and i thought nah i think i want to go and you know get out there and do a bit more um i really enjoyed uh contracting while i was at uni I, it just so happened i picked up a lot of odd jobs in it so um i did some tutoring um, I also was looking at, um, I ran practical sessions in classes and I would also picked up a couple of contractors with the local science and technology unit down the road, uh, which was really cool. We did some really interesting projects. Um, probably the one I liked the most was when we, uh, it was an interview like we were having now, but what it would do is it would actually scribe the um, the interview itself and any type of emotional tonal changes in the inter- in the interview, it would color and change the sizing and the font um, oh. of the words. And so what you could do is you could read a transcript and understand the emotional intelligence in the transcript. And so it was a really, really cool type of thing before, you know, you could just go to YouTube and watch, you know, a million hours worth of anything you ever wanted, right? Um, it was really, really cool. Um, and the applications for it were really cool as well. So I, f- I finished that, finished my work at uni, and then applied for a whole heap of grad jobs. Um, end up moving to Melbourne, um, which is a different state. So um, I took some summer jobs and just random jobs back home. I ended up working for a chemical manufacturing plant, um, where stainless steel manufacturer. So they would weld up tanks. Um, where I grew up, it's a very big um, vineyard and uh, grape and wine type of country so there's a lot of um a lot of demand for that so i worked there for a while um and then i i still remember i I flew into melbourne and i got a phone call and uh that was at the time where telemarketing was really really high and the um the i got a i got a ring from um which i didn't know at the time which was my future boss (laughs) um and she's like, hi, this is Natasha from uh, Telstra. And I, and I just immediately cut her off going, oh, look, sorry, I'm not interested. I'm already with Telstra. Like, you know, don't try to sell me anything, basically. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. You start here on Tuesday. And I'm like, oh, great first impression. So uh, we had a good joke about that and had a chat over coffee. And I was like, yep, that's, um, that's a really interesting way of meeting um, your future uh, team lead and uh, what you're going to do. 
and yeah, I met some really cool guys there and uh, Telstra was doing a really big uplift of their telecommunications and, and customer systems. And uh, I was really, really lucky and fortunate to um, meet some really cool people there and some um, guys from the US who'd come over. So a lot of guys who'd worked in Verizon and some really big telcos and um, in the States and so they'd come over as well. Um, one of them in particular who was actually my manager at the time and I was still looking for a place and he said to me, oh, look, don't, don't worry about it. Just come and live with me for a while. Um, you know, and we'll, uh, we'll show you the ropes and we'll, you know, we'll take you around the place since you're new in town. Uh, mind you, he'd only been there 18 months prior. Um, and that was really cool. I got to see a lot of projects. Um, and that's really when I got introduced into the data space and where I really found, where I really found my feet. Before IT for me was, um, and tech was really about, you know, I, I would just get into odd things. It was into operations. I'd do a bit of coding. I, I'd just do a few bits and pieces here and there. Uh, it was always jack of all trades for me. It wasn't, you know, I would just want to be a coder or, you know, um, we end up getting into like training overseas uh, help center staff and setting up new products, um, building extensions for products for ordering systems. Um, it was you know, just a really good exposure into all of these different cool things you could do. And it really gave me a love for wanting to work on really big projects with a lot of people. That kind of, I think, shaped my, in terms of expectations from working for companies and stuff like that, where it was more about the team for me rather than the company itself, because you spent a bit of time with the company, which was great, but it was more about the team that you worked with every day and what you got into. And when there was a problem, you always were, you were always together and you always helped out. I was really lucky like that. Always had really good teams to work with. So we had a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, we did. It was it was great. You know, we work work a double shift. Um, you know, supporting and bringing up the new international um, services, and then we'd go out for the third shift, and then we'd go home for a few hours worth of sleep and do it all over again. Um, and it was really cool. And then we yeah moved around uh, quite a bit um, on different projects and really good. And then I really got into automation, and so we actually built this in-house automation suite. Don't ask me why it was called this, but it was called Moose. No one could explain why it was called Moose, but it was just Moose. I was Love like, that. great. Yeah, it was great. Um, <laughs> the, the, the head dev just decided, no, I like the name of this. I'm like, great. So we, we adopted that and we did a lot of the um, automation for redeploying all the endpoint servers um, for, all of their, for all their systems. And I still remember this one day, uh, one of the guys from um, over in Hyderabad in India rings me and goes, it all looks different. Something's happened. I'm like, what, what do you mean? It's like, it's like all the icons changed to Easter eggs. And I was like, <laughs> really? I'm like, what day is it? I'm like, yeah, it's Easter. And I said, oh, it's, so the the devs have actually physically coded in Easter eggs into the uh, into the product. And so when the dates <laughs> changed, depending on what season it was, all the icons for the jobs would change. So you'd see little pumpkins on Halloween, and you'd see Easter eggs, and you'd see Christmas, and all these other dates and stuff that coded. And it was really funny because the first night. Um, it happened. It was my brother's um, bachelor party, and I was literally. I picked up the phone, and they're like, "We read." I'm like, "Guys, I'm nowhere near a computer. Like, I, I've like, it, it's fine. Just uh, run a job, see what happens. You know, if you got some real dramas, you know, you know, you're just gonna have to wait. I'm not on call, and I'll try to troubleshoot this over the phone. And and these, the guys are sending me pictures. You know, and this was just as the first iPhone was was sent out. So you know, phones weren't particularly great at sending data at that point in time and so I'm getting these 
pictures of screens where like all the lines are showing up and so you're trying to interpret what they're doing and you're like, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> and you're like, it's like just, it's just fine. I said, if the Easter egg breaks, just let me know, but I think you'll be fine um, otherwise. And yeah, it all turned out all right in the end. Um, and then I ended up moving again. Uh, I, uh, I finished up my time uh, in Melbourne. Customer care and billing was, was coming to a close and uh, I moved over to Canberra. And uh, I started working for a few consultancies here, started taking up some more work with uh, federal government and getting into more projects around um, citizen-centric policy, social services, health, welfare, um, aviation. It's really, really cool. And then I found myself jumping in between contracts and consultancies. And it was that same thing. I think I had such a great, had the, the start of my uh, journey in terms of having really great teams and people to work with. I was really looking for that again. And I found each different state and company work with cultures and, and perceptions and stuff changed. And that's where I got to the point where I was, you know, I, I, I thought I had a, a lot of experience, but, you know, I, I always have more to learn and I've, I'm always looking for that next challenge and being able to challenge myself and do a lot of things. And, you know, I, I joined a few consultancies and that's where I was, it was like, no, we, we think you're a bit too young or you're a little bit inexperienced in, in you know, you need to get some more life experience. And I was like, huh, okay. How do, how, do, how do you suppose I do that? You know, I've had a, I've had a pretty, uh, you know, I thought, you know, I've, I've moved around a bit. I've always looked for the next, you know, thing. I want to you know, work on really large projects, um, work with some really cool guys. What, it, what can you give me and, and what can you give me as advice, you know, and to the person asking, you know, saying this back to me and they're like, oh, you know, it's not how it really works. And I was like, okay. So, I thought on it a while and I was working on this really cool project uh, with uh, health and I decided to myself, nah, I don't, I don't like this anymore. And so I, I basically said to them, look, I'll just give you six months. Um, you know, I really want to take some points. I want to really show, you know, what I can do. Um, and in those six months, you know, I realistically, we once again, we're just, I was with my project team. There was really nothing that the company was, um, you know, really be able to offer in terms of that growth expectation. It was kind of, the glass ceiling opportunity and uh, I could see up but I couldn't get up so I said you know that's great and then, and I still remember the last one of the last conversations I had with um, in some companies you know how they give you know you get a mentor or you get like a group of people that you talk to and they said oh the the leadership don't know to, whether or not to promote your performance manager and I was like I don't know how to take that and I was like that's kind of like two very ends of the spectrum I was like I don't think I'm that different but you know, cool. Thanks for that. That that actually gives me a lot of drive, and you know, I think what I want to go and do. Then I saw out the project in six months, and um, and then I went uh, freelancing again, which was great. I got to work on some really cool projects in defence. Um, got to go back and work in the social services. Got to work in aviation. Uh, aviation data was really cool. Really excited about that. Um, what kind of stuff were you doing there? So we uh, we were looking at um, effectively trying to manage, enhance, and create ways of of booking slot times and, and how planes would effectively come in and where was the flight record and and who and what flight and as flights changed on what tail number on a flight and, and how you're effectively going to get and optimize how you could get more flights and how you could get more people and how you could do that safer. And it was really cool, um, you know, actually getting real live feeds and watching radar um, and getting real feeds of planes coming in and actually mapping and visualizing that data and being able to actually watch planes 
in a visualization tool and you know see where they were landing and, and where you could see patterns across airports and stuff like that and it was just really really cool stuff and i met this super super smart guy who he didn't like how the um his words were he didn't like how the uh system works so he built a new one um and he did it off of a, a glass fish server and uh <laughs> And had a bit of a bit of code, and he said, "Yeah, look, we 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 use this, and it's fantastic." And uh, yeah, it was just how he saw it was was just this whole different way of working, um, and it was great. You know, I I got to play with some really really cool data and and bring in all this you know, really operational and specific data, and it was really cool then because you know it was really at that age where you could go. You get some really cool operational data to manage that, but you really only had that like five to fifteen minute window where you could really make a difference, and then how you move that into an analytical space and and really manage that data effectively. And it's really cool when you're working in like spaces where they're really well defined, rigid data schemas where they've got all the data sorted out. You know how you're dealing with it, and you can just use it. It's it's like putting fuel in the car and just hitting the open road and putting on some good music and just, you know, it's it's just you can just get in there and just really, really use it. And data's that space where, you know, you get a good good amount of analytics and problem solving, but also a good amount of coding. And so it really gives you that, it's a really cool, encompassing space. And data's one of those things that, you know, I really found a passion for early because you can see how businesses operate but the underlying like lifeblood of their businesses were in their data. And so what you had is, what I always used to find is, and I, I always find it funny where business intelligence, you know, we talk about business intelligence these days, it's more about a tooling. But, you know, when I first came in um, into IT, you know, business intelligence was that, that age-old saying around, what do you, how do you know about your business in six months, 12 months, two years, four years? You know, how, how are you hiring you know, how you're growing your graduates, how you're bringing up your next generations, you know, how, how are you applying that longitudinal intelligence? And how that kind of flipped into that tool space was, you know, people started visualizing that. It became the BI tool. So everyone talked about business intelligence as a tool rather than a methodology or an ethos. And so it was more about, well, how are you going to visualize that? Or, you know, and the transition, I think, was really rapid over from, I reckon about 2015, where you no longer talked about business intelligence as a as a as a framework, as a practitioner, as a how you're going to bring that intelligence and do planning, and it became more about the tool. And so, all the work to work with data and prepare that data was, you know, that was what we call, you know, that was the plumbing. You know, no one wanted to think about what runs through their plumbing. You know, they all want to talk about, you know, that really fancy. You know, my, look at my bathroom, look at my really fancy taps, look at all my, you know, how look how cool the facade is. And the BI tool came more of the facade rather than that intelligence piece. And so where I found is, you know, what, what I saw was the challenges in data became more about the visualization tool was put in place and all the data was rushed there really quickly. And then within 12 to 24 months, businesses, clients, corporations would really find it difficult to extend it that it became buggy it wouldn't run that you know overnight loads were really you know stretching the limitations of the tool set because no data preparation was getting done anymore the, the rigidity around data the structure around data wasn't being maintained it was all getting shoved into into tool sets and also you know within marketing and stuff like that 
you know, you, you saw all the tool sets going, you know, don't worry about putting it into your warehouse or don't worry about doing any pre-processing. Just load your Excel spreadsheet up and, you know, go crazy with it. Um, see what you can see. And that's really cool. Like, you know, I've got a sample of data. I want to put it in my BI tool. I want to, I want to build an alpha really quickly. I want to show a client or I want to show a business area. You know, this is what your data could do for you. You know, and now let's productionize that. Let's build the pipeline. You know, let's set it up. Let's automate it. Let's, let's really make it, you know, to scale. Let's make it robust for your business. Um, but then realistically, what we would always find as, um, as I would walk into a client space is more and more of the, more and more of the data had moved from the pipeline into the visualization tool and it became more manual intensive. So you'd have more and more people pre-producing Excel spreadsheets and, and really moving to the spreadsheet or doing changes on the desktops and uploading them into these tools. And the trust of data, you really saw it, I reckon, 2017, I reckon, really saw it. The trust in data really started to decay where people would no longer look at their, their BI and go, you know, I'm going to make a decision on that. It's a good indicator. It's really pretty. And, and don't get me wrong, some of the stuff that comes out of these BI tools and even, you know, based languages these days, it's really, really pretty stuff. Um, really, really fascinating. Um, and that's where, um, you know, we, we kind of coined the term fascinators. You, know, you can show someone that looks really pretty. It's all these cool things. But do you trust what you see? How, how have you established that trust? And I think that's in data and whether it's across business intelligence or whether it's across um, analytics or whether it's across security, it's really one of those things where you start looking at what's the trust? How do I build that trust? Um, and how do I make, you know, how do I really make data sexy again? Because we really, we moved from, I think, uh, the, you know, 2000 and 2005, 2010, data was really core. You had really good processing. You know, the frameworks to set it up were fantastic. The really rigid processes. The technology was was good, but it wasn't really like hyperscale. Storage was still an issue. Compute was still an issue. And then you, there was this kind of this flip, and I, and it kind of went to the more personal computing you got, where you got better phones, better laptops, better tablets, where you could do more yourself. And all those interfaces changed to really be to the user, to the individual that pipeline really decayed in terms of supplying that that singular pipeline or that that centralized mentality of storing your data. Um, and I, I remember I was um, I got to meet a really a really, really funny guy from Germany um, in a in a in a morning kind of conference that I was at and he goes, you know, we're in, we're in Germany. We we don't have a sense of humor, and like he would make all these really. He did. He had this fantastic sense of humor. He'd make all these really dry jokes, but he'd never laugh. So he'd <laughs> always be super super serious, and he'd deliver it. And he said, you know, the age with all of you know the real turn is, you know, shadow IT and shadow systems, and that's really where people are going because the bigger the enterprise becomes, the real harder it is to move that data, and the more they've got to look after in business as usual operations. So that that's the real core is how you think about how do I do my business as usual operations and how do I make that, you know, how do I destroy that misnomer in my business about moving it into a warehouse and moving it somewhere centralized isn't going to be really slow, isn't going to be, you know, really costly. costly. You know, you can be able to deliver for your business in a timely manner because when we look at, you know, when I look at, you know, consuming products or consuming services, you know, everything's, 
I can get an app on my phone. I can just go to a service these days and you can pick, you know, I'm hungry, just pick up a service, get some food sent to your house. It's all, you know, it's all really easy to get to. Stuff, it's just consuming, it's super simple these days. So if you tell someone it's going to be nine months to plumb in, you know, this, you know, really well performing data feed or here, have an Excel spreadsheet and get two people to pump it in for you. The, there's not even a let me think about that. It's a just give me the tool in the Excel spreadsheet and we'll make it work. You know, it's it's the you know, the, the 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 it's not it's not wasn't the price. It was the it's the time. You know how how do you get that there? So the challenge on every project became how do you get all of these you know unstructured, semi-structured feeds and you know some and and as we saw more data was becoming semi-structured and unstructured because people were putting less standards, less time into you know, defining the metadata and defining all of those things around their data. So you ended up with more just feeds of you know, operational data, more feeds into things where you know, it wasn't just pick up my scheme and pick up my data, push it into a database, you know, off you go, you know, pick, your, pick your way you want to model it, you know, and how you want to st- structure that out and, and move it through. It became, there was a lot more to, you know, I, I look at it as the, the syntax versus the semantic shift. You had this really cool, you know, you know programming languages. I've got my syntax, you know, I follow my syntax. I, I run it through, great. And then, you know, data worked that way as well. I've got my schema, I've got my data. It's really easy to say yes or no. And then we kind of moved into this really semi-structured, unstructured, people producing all this stuff and documents they want to get to. And then it's like, well, how do I semantically play with that? How do I, you know, take all my data in and then do something with it and actually get a result really quickly for my business and for my client or for wherever I'm working to get that data where it needs to be? And really simple things that we used to be able to do before, like how many customers do I have? You know, what services are they on? Um, you know, how much are we charging them? Can we get them bill better prices? Um, how can we market to people better? all started becoming more difficult because the data that told you about that started becoming more convoluted. So you had to do more work in that space. And so technology really started to pick up in that space. And you know, I always like to use a lot in the, I used a lot in the IBM and Informatica space and they really had some, and that their tool sets were really cool in that space. But once again, you know, you're only as fast as your slowest part of your process. So you really still had that problem of getting it into that, you know, that warehousing and getting it you know, really performant, and it still wasn't where people wanted to be. Warehouses were still breaking down; they weren't getting invested in. People just then, oh, you know, set and forget the data's there now. We don't have to maintain it, and so you just saw all these warehouses and processes going backwards because they weren't receiving that continuous investment and more focus on giving that BI tool and that integration in in those spaces in those businesses. Um, and so, towards the end of working. Uh, in, in in getting health data. And so the, the project was really around getting all that health data centralized and being able to really help make better policy in that space. Um, I um, I bumped into uh, the co-founder of uh, of uh, Base2 Data Analytics and uh, Michael Ranson-Smith. And Michael was a, was an engineer on a project I was working with. And uh, we uh, we just happened to hit it off in terms of how we were working on the project. We we had, you know, he was, he really uh, reminded me of that, um, family and team mentality that I really had in terms of you know the, you know some of the projects that I had been around and it was really cool we we um, 
we found ourselves working on common projects all the time and uh, we kind of found as one of us moved onto a different project, the other one would follow or, or vice versa. And so we really found um, we kind of created that dynamic duo type of, uh, type of situation. And so as I moved onto a project into, into defense um, and I said to Mike, hey, you, you need to come over. I said, you, you really enjoy it over here. Uh, Mike said to me, oh, actually, uh, uh, an old friend of mine um, has got this problem in his business. You want to come and have a look at it? And I was like, oh, yeah, great. Sounds, sounds cool, you know. Um, you know, extra work out of ours. Let's, let's give it a go. Um, and it was in um, stock market data. And that was, a, that was a marketing, you know, that was an area in data I had never really been exposed to before. So um, I was really excited in terms of, you know, that, that sounds like, you know, that sounds like fast pace. That, that's about as fast as data you're going to get. And so it was really cool. We, uh, we, got into, we got into the stock market data. We got some feeds into it and we started, you know, how, how, can, we, how can we make this as close to real time as possible to give someone insights into, you know, if you want to ask a question of the market in real time, how are you going to do it? You know, how can you get that feed? How can you move away from, you know, doing it in spreadsheets and spending a lot of time for what you want to be able to do? Um, and doing a lot of prep the night before for a marketing day. How can you how can you start making those decisions in real time? Um, and there's, there's there's not a lot of data traders in that space in Australia, but you know we got to we got to hang out with some um, one of the biggest ones, um, and they had feeds directly from the Australian Australian Stock Exchange, which was really cool. And uh, we got to you know they had some really cool data feeds, and they're like, oh you know we do, we don't have a lot of people using the service at the moment. Um, you know, some of the real big traders and stuff like that consume this stuff really. Um, but they were, they were looking at, you know, specific things they were interested in. What we were interested in is the entire market. We, we wanted everything. So they said, yeah, no worries. It's, it's scale. You can, you know, take the whole thing. So how are we going to consume with a bit of a, I think it was about a 15 minute delay from the market starting? How are we going to consume the entire market every day and get some insights on that data? And it was really cool. It, it was, we, um, we bootstrapped. That was our first um, real dive into cloud as well. So we we found a, a cloud provider where it was, you know, what do you need in the cloud, guys? Great. Send them through the specs that we wanted for the servers um, or how we wanted it to, to work. You know, it spin up. Um, you don't have the, that was back before you had the consoles where you could just, you know, sign up with an email account and just go and consume. So you send it through. Great. Um, spun up a few databases, a um, couple of BI tools, and we started building out these processes. And it was it was really good fun, um, and we got a phone call from the from the provider, and they're like, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" We said, "What do you mean? We're doing exactly what we told you we were going to do." So we were going to take every single market um, that you have, and we're going to provide a feed, and we're going to do analysis on. Oh, well, we're we're seeing we're seeing some um, we're seeing some pretty interesting activity, uh, and what we'd actually end up helping them there was a. There seems to be an issue with their load balances. And so what we end up helping them with is actually discover through the work that we were doing um, issues with how they had actually with their load balances, which they resolved really quickly. Um, but effectively, all our traffic for the entire market was being balanced through a single load balancer. And so the load balancer was getting really, really hot through the day and was shutting down and pushing us to a new load balancer. Um, and so that was really funny. They're like, oh, you know, great. You know, you never know really how far you're going to go until you stress test it. And most of the market, like they said, is they were really interested in a, in a slice of the market, not what's the whole market going to tell you. Um, and so that was really cool. We, we, we got to 
we got to be able to help out, you know, once again, a, a small business in how they wanted to be able to get into data and how they want to be able to help that make those better decisions. And so the second piece of work came up and Mike said to me, you know, if we're going to, you know, this seems to be a working thing, what, why don't we start up a company? I was like, okay, great. Let, let, let's do that. So, yeah, we, we sat down. Um, we, you know, threw, threw around some ideas and uh, Mike's, uh, Mike's brother had a company called Base2. And uh, so he we, he said, oh, you know, what about that? I, he goes, and I said, yeah, that, that sounds great. You know, base two, binary, really cool ones and zeros. That's what we like to deal with, right? Where we're, we want to be, a, we want to be a data company, right? That's what we want to, that's what we want to be when we grow up. So, you know, let's do that. Unfortunately, the name was already taken in, in another company. So we thought, you know, what do we want to work in? Data analytics. So let's put that on the end. And that's, 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 that's really how we, you know, we bootstrapped the company. We we decided you know we're not gonna we're not gonna try to spin tin or have data centers. We're gonna go full cloud, and we're gonna embrace the cloud no matter however it is and how it works. And you know really build up in that knowledge because the way we saw it was that's where the world's gonna go. That's really cool. We were originally connected because we re- recently had on Steph from Help Systems on the show, and then after their episode, they were telling us about you guys, and it sounds like you're doing really interesting stuff. Um, and, but I mean, I, I'm just curious to hear from your side of that, how, like, what, what kind of stuff are you working on with help systems? So with, um, we actually came across help systems on a project um, and we uh, just reached out and said, hey, um, we really like the idea of, of, of your software. We really see this problem in the market around um, getting data, um, getting it in the standardized way. And we see it as a recurring problem and all the stuff we deal with. Um, can we can we try software? Um, and we got an email back. Yep, no worries. Here's some licenses go nuts. And we were like, wow. Usually it's uh, you know, here's some paperwork. Wait a while. You know, off you go. And so we were like, we were we were blown away. And, and I think the thing with uh, help systems was is. Once again, it was the culture of help systems that really attracted us to help systems. We hadn't even looked at the product, but we were like, wow, we're, we're really, really excited about how help systems, you know, as a company and how they've represented themselves, even who we've interacted with, you know, have, we're just, yeah, sure, we want to help. But, the, you know, really, you know, help systems is really an apt way of describing who they are. You know, here, no worries. Here's the software. Go have a look. If you've got any questions, let us know. You know, it wasn't, wasn't a sales channels. Are you going to buy or anything else? It was really just out there in, in terms of we, we want to get the best for you. And we thought to ourselves, that, that, that's, that's the type of people that you know, we want to work with. And so we, we had a look at the software and went, wow, if we would have had this when we worked on you know, exchange projects in, in health and social spaces, aviation, you name it, you know, this, 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 would have made it, this would have made it so much easier for us to get all of these different parts of the data um, and, and setting up those frameworks and really bringing everything back into that structured pipeline quickly. This, this, we really want to see more about this. And so, you know, we, we grabbed the software, ran it through its paces, um, started trialing it, and went, "Yep, we want to be a part of this. This is this is where we want to be." Um, and so we said, "Yep, can we can we join as a partner? We, we want to we want to start getting this out there. We want to start using it." And it was great. And then the first, you know, question was, "Do you have it in the cloud?" And at that point, um, Help Systems hadn't started offering uh, the 
uh, MFT as a service in the cloud. And like, no, we don't have it. It's, you know, software company. And we went, okay. So we grabbed the software, um, and had a look at it, unpicked it a bit, put it in the cloud and went, yep, this works. So it works for us. Great. Um, fantastic. You know, we, we, we can make this work. And then we started really tinkering with it in terms of how can we structure this? How could we, you know, if we're going to be running it as the engineers, there's going to be customers. I mean, the, the product suite in terms of, um, in terms of go anywhere and the managed file transfer and that whole data exchange, you, you've got, you know, the real, the real three key aspects in, in an IT system where you've got your customers, you've got your devs and you've got your admins and, and your customers can be internal or external. So then you've got that whole concept around what's my identity? What's my identity framework? How am I going to differentiate my internal versus my external, um, consumers? Yeah, and and the product is, it, it is it is vast in terms of what it can do. I mean, it is a real it is a real powerhouse in terms of how you're going to move data. It, it connects to, you know, that they build cloud connectors to be able to make it easy to to get to different cloud aspects in the in the product. Um, you know, you want to web scrape, bring some data in. You want to set up a training partner and get files dropped to you. You want to connect into other systems. You know, it it really has. A, it's a real, really well-rounded product, and we and we were, you know, we had used other products in the industry in terms of managed file transfer. Um, a lot of the ones we got introduced with other OEMs with with other software that you got as part of the portal, but you know, we never really came across this particular uh, across the product. And the more and more we, you know, use help systems products, the more we went, yep, we 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 really think there's a there's an opportunity here, and so we started having a chat with help help systems around, you know, what, what can we do in the cloud? And that was around, you know, MFT as a service really um, first popping out. And we're like, okay, how, how can we grow this? How can we, how can we, you know, when a customer comes to us and says, and really that turn happened around customers saying, I don't want to manage this anymore. I, I don't want to have to manage the software. You know, software as a service now is, and platform as a service has really grown to a point where I, I just want a turnkey solution. I just want you to come in. I don't want to install it. I don't want to have to get in. I don't want to have to make changes. I just want to consume. And it was like, yeah, well, look, we, we offer it in this particular space. We, we've we've got this, you know, we've got the software there. You can use it as a test bench, you know, and, and you know, they're growing that. And so, you know, we just asked the question, well, can we do it? Can, can we, can, can we take the product and can we, can we put a framework around it? Can we put it out there for a consume based model? Um, and it was, you know, it was all once again, really easy, you know, working with help systems was just super easy. So, you know, yep, no worries, guys, have a go, see what you come up with. And so we sat down with the product and we, uh, we had a look at it and said, how do we want to offer this? How are we going to take a, you know, how are we going to take the software that's, you know, traditionally deploy? Um, you know, look, cloud at the end of the day is someone else's data center, um, and, the data center, you know, a lot of people put in that don't own their own data centers. They're just renting rack space. So cloud's not that much different, except, you know, you, the cloud has that fundamental advantage of, you know, someone's keeping it up to date at various levels, which is, you know, gives you access to a lot of things that, you know, you're always at current, which is fantastic. So how are we going to do that? How are we going to be, how are we going to be current all the time? You know, how are we going to work in with software, you know, bring in those releases? So we sat down, mapped it out. All right, let's give it a go. So we built out the first version of um, of Gatekeeper uh, around 
um, the help systems go anywhere, uh, go anywhere, and and then looking at bringing in other services that complement it, um, and really looking at you know working with help systems around uh, things like okay, well we're going to need a component for doing uh, AV content reduction, and so around that time help systems picked up ClearSwift and brought that in. It's like okay, great, now I've got AV, bring that what, into the cloud. What's ClearSwift? So ClearSwift is a uh, is a product in terms of uh, doing it's so they're a company that were doing things like secure email gateways, internet gateways, um, ICAP scanning. Um, they're they're really around that cybersecurity and that real aspect of if you're going to be transferring a lot of data like with with go anywhere, then if you're accepting data from somebody, what's the trust? And so you use ICAP scanners and services. Um, content reduction where someone sends you some data. Um, all right, I want to scan it. Well, do I, how many how many AVs can I scan it with? So you, know, you can add on AVs in in the uh, secure ICAP gateway. So I can scan the you know scan a file with three, scan a service with three. You know, add them on. Much better return rate. You know, much higher. You know, making sure that the data's safe. And a lot of the products you know and, and projects we work with. The assumption was for a long time, and like it is, I think, in security, is people make the assumption of trust until they get bitten, until someone sends them a file, they don't realize it has a virus, oh, ransomware, oh, not sorry, we're, we've got a problem now. So but how are you going to integrate this into your business? And so really what we saw is, is that, and, and really looking at across the board is, you know, people are running their CRMs, they're running all these other products, they're collecting data from all of these different people. and you just assume once they sign up with the username, they're a customer and you, you give them a level of trust in your application. You know, upload a bio of yourself, upload a photo, upload a, you know, whatever you want, you know, upload some data to us. Okay, great. Do you have something under the covers that is scanning that, is managing that for you, is, is making sure it's safe? A lot of people, and the answer is they assume it's in the product, the product's doing that. But the short answer is no, it's, it's not doing that. And so bundling, you know, go anywhere and and ClearSwift together, you really get that that opportunity of now we've got a product where you can transfer files at scale and you can scan them at scale, which means now you can go, hey, you know, Adam, you want to send me some data? Great. Here's my portal. Upload me some data. Right, I scan your data. I tell you straight away, look, you've sent me your credit card in there. We've redacted it. You know, it's probably not a good idea to send me your... your, your uh, your, you know, personal data in in clear text. You know, we've we've stripped that out for you. Also, the last three you've sent us have got a virus in it. You probably want to have a look at your uh, your local PC. You know, you want to do something about that because you know, telling people that you know that you found a response to that is you know, it's you're helping them, but you can't really manage their systems for you. You can only alert them that there's been an issue. Um, you know, there's only so far as you can you know creep into someone else's network, and then. Now I've got your data. All right, what do you want to do with it? And, and realistically, the, the 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 concept of of Gatekeeper and why we work and why we really want to work with health systems is what you really want to be able to do and where this, the problem is is I want to get my data from somewhere to somewhere else to do something with it. And normally, that is, you know, what technology does the consumer support? What protocols do they support? What, what services do they support? Do they even have something in the digital age that you can communicate with them on? You know, do they only work in that particular space? So really what you're, what you're talking about is 
you you want to you want to work with someone semantically. You you want to be able to just give them data, and then figure out what it is, do something with it, and get it somewhere else. And so that that's the real um, that's the real push behind and and why we you know we looked at that and said right we really want to put a lot of effort and a core effort behind this and so why we decided to really remarket and rebrand um, base two as data movement we really want to be in that data movement space because it's that real first core part of create acquire capture data now you might want to create it through forms you might want to acquire it from trading partners you might want to capture it off other sites you know you're going to store it you want to make sure it's safe it hasn't got any bugs and then you want to do something with it well where do you want to do it you might like microsoft you might like aws you might want to download it onto your desktop because you know you've got a whole heap of you've got a sweet dev machine that you just want to you know geek out in some data and, and do some really you know really cool things with some tools you want to try great you can do all of that you know that the, the software the underlying software and services allows you to get your data where it needs to be and then do something with it add value transform it you know find new insights try new tools oh you know a really new cool you know, services come out, let's say, from from Google. Um, I want to try that. Okay. I can get myself a, a cloud bucket, a basic account, jump in for free. You know, every everyone these days, every cloud provider just gives you a free credit. I want to go in and try it. You know, is it going to work for my enterprise? Is it going to integrate? How does it work? And so having something like what we have done with Gatekeeper is you don't have to think, oh, okay, now I've got to, I've got to learn how to use this. I've got to try to find a way to get the data there. Help Systems Cloud Connectors as part of as part of the Go Anywhere suite. Yep, I'm just going to push it to that cloud bucket. And now I've got the I've got the data in the cloud. What am I going to do with it? All right, I'm going to try this tool. I'm going to try this visualization. Um, I'm going to try. You know, what are the core aspects that this cloud provider or this piece of technology really offers far above the rest? You know, it, how am I going to you know, really innovate with my data. I, I think where, and what we have seen a lot with people is, you know, you, you pick your you pick your cloud provider or you pick your technology you stay with, and that's you run the road. You're you're on you're on you're on the road. You're on the highway. You set it at cruise, and off you go. You know, it, it's it's how you go. But then all these cool things in the background, you know, you're missing. You know, you might you know. Even using the self-driving car analogy, you know, you, you're busy looking at your phone while your car's driving yourself, and you're missing all those things as you're driving by. You know, there's all this technology and all these cool things that you're missing. Well, go and try them. Take a bit of data there. Don't obviously send your sensitive data there. Um, you know, take some, you know, take some test data. Go and have a look. See if it's something that you know you can work with in your business. You know, really start to innovate and and get into those new technologies and see how they can work for you. And look, it, it's a you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways that you can do this type of stuff. And technology is fantastic. And you know, getting your data where it is, is is you know always part of the problem. Technology is really cool. It's it gets you there. You can do something with it. All right, that's really cool. I want to use it now. Well, how's it going to fit into my process? How am I going to get people to use it? And that's, I think that's one of the ones that the, the learning curve is always still going to be there. I don't think technology is ever really going to solve that. You know, you get all these cool tools and people go, yeah, look, I, I, I bootstrap this thing together. It's fantastic. Look at my app. It's great. Okay. What do you, how, and then I guess the unfortunate part of the question is a lot of the time people go, what, what about my security? And, you know, what about my customer's data? And how am I going to, how am I going to protect that? 
And so what we decided is we're, we're, you know, bootstrap the cool technology. Great. That's where we want to be. All right. How do we make it safe? And how, how do we make it so that you can consume and, and have it a level of trust and how we build that trust with our clients and how we can say, you can trust us in terms of moving your data around. And so from the very core, we, we, we strapped it as we're going to take security, network security, user security as the core of this. We're making sure that only you have access to your data. You can only move it around. You can only manage this. You, know, you can create those cool integrations um, and manage that data and, and really get it where you need to be. But know that the transport is encrypted. You know, it's encrypted when you're running your data. It's encrypting when it's at rest. It's encrypted where you move it to. Yeah, and then you've really got to start thinking about, great, I can move my data. The tech's done the good job. How am I going to make sure now that I don't have user error? How am I going to have, you know, how am I going to make sure that we don't lose our data? How are we going to make sure that, you know, I don't use this cool technology and, you know, I share a link with someone and my data's gone, you know, or that person shares that link with someone else or that, you know, that type of happens. And so working within, you know, that suite is you, you, you work within data loss prevention effectively. You, you, when you give people and you enable people to be able to use that, it's not that you want to take it away or say, you know, you can't do that. But with great power becomes, you know, has that great <laughs> responsibility. Right? It, it's, a, it's a great quote. It's, you know, I, I still remember the first time I looked into a server and that was the quote that was sitting on the server. I'm like, someone like Spider-Man. It's, it's, you know, the sad, <laughs> the sad, the it's pretty cool. And it always stuck with me. And it's one of those things where, you know, you give power to people and they can use this stuff and it's great, but the process has to be there. You've got to have that cool process to be able to say, right, who are you sharing it with? Do you trust that person? How are you making sure that, you know, how do you set your sharing and responsibilities? And that type of control inside the, inside the, inside the software and how, um, we've worked with help systems products and, and building up Gatekeeper is that you know you can use the software, you can set those user groups, you can build up those training partner relationships, you can add that extra security that you're only setting those channels, and you can really start to now okay, I've done my I've done my cyber assessment, I've done all my stuff, I've checked it out, I'm happy. All right, let's really start using this in anger, and how quickly. You can build those, and I think it comes down to that culture and that data culture and that relationship with people where it's, all right, we can really start sharing data then. You've got some data I need. I've got some data you need. I can start accepting more data from my clients. I can start looking at different ways of using my data. And that's that next part that we really want to, what really exploring with our clients is, okay, you've got your data. What do you want to do with it now? Do, do you know? Do you have a core business process you want to take that through? Do you want to integrate it into, you know, some existing technologies? Great. What else do you want to do with it? How have you thought about, you know, how you want to do your intelligence and reporting? Do, you know, how do you want to manage your metrics? Do you, are you collecting this data for, for marketing? How are you looking at dropouts in, in your services? How are you looking at, you know, retaining customers? How are you looking at getting them through your process as quick as possible? That's all data, right? You can move that data around. You can get it to, you know, there's some tool, you know, great tools out there and great tech that, you know, I want to get my tech over to that service because I want to look at my data for marketing and management. I want to do get my insights on that. I want to get better reporting. Once you can move your data around securely and start using all those services, it it doesn't 
it doesn't limit you in the space of where and what you can consume and, and really get into consuming and building up that capability. And, you know, and that sounds great, but I always, you know, always offer that excitement with a grain of salt is, you know, you, as you start to use more services, you've still got to think about, you know, security is one of those things I think is it, it took a long time to become the forefront of the conversation uh, and shouldn't be a scary thing. I mean, data security and information security and and security has always been part of our lives. I think it's one of those things where we just kind of forget about it sometimes when it comes to using technology or, you know, we automatically trust the provider, which, you know, great. It's great you want to consume that service and, you know, we put that bit of trust in. But when you're, you know, you're building up these capabilities, it's always, a, you know, always got to have in that forefront of your mind how we can consume those services and how we can manage that. And, you know, that, that's been the really exciting part of the journey with Help Systems is Help Systems is really growing that portfolio in data security, data movement, you know, information security, being able to build and, you know, get a baseline of trust with their software and, and services, really. And while we continually are excited about, you know, Help Systems' strategy around, you know, what they're improving in their software and, you know, who they're acquiring, uh, and and what they're doing because it's it's really in the space that we're really excited about and and how people and it's a it's a great space you know yeah there's it's it's really really exciting at the moment well uh, we're we are coming up on time so before we wrap up um, if anyone listening wants to check out any of these awesome data movement tools any from a go anywhere gatekeeper clear swift. Where can they go? Where can they check this out? So you can go to um, datamovement.cloud. Um, we've uh, recently relaunched that, so you can have a look. Um, we have a great um, write-up. That's an awesome on- domain name. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've got a uh, we've got a, uh, a great write-up on help systems and the core products that we work with um, in the data movement and data security space. You know that'll take you off into help systems. You can have a look around and you know what their space is and what they're looking at. Um, and if you really, you know, if, if you're looking at how I can move my data and how I want to, you know, integrate with other cloud products, and managed file transfer isn't just about files. Um, you know, it's it's not just, you know, it is that that domain. Um, you know, and if you search it, you know what it comes up with. But this, the suite is much more than that. It's more around that, that providing that integration, getting your data where it needs to be. You know, where we brand it. You know, get your data where it needs to be in the cloud. You know, come come and work with us. You know, we'll help you get your data where it needs to be. You know, we we work with passionate. Uh, we work with people who are passionate in this space, and we also partner with people who are passionate in this space. So, you know, we're not we're not just there to, you know, hit, sell you some software and, and get you there. We're we're passionate in this space about getting your data securely where it needs to be, so you can innovate with your data. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.